Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Prep Talk Podcast. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, uh, Dylan Sawyer, Sawyer Souls, many aliases to this man, um, but we are very fortunate to have him. Uh, we are, as always, hosted by uh, myself, Pete's Flips, Not Really Mad, and Fulfilled by Max. Um, so, Dylan, thanks for thanks for coming on. Man, thank you for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, do we just want to just jump into it just for the folks that uh, that don't really know who you are? Maybe probably not very many of them, to be honest, um, <laughs> yeah. but kind of give a high level background of your journey um, and, and just get going. For sure. Yeah. So I started my e-commerce or reselling journey back in 2017. And what sparked my interest was just always having a passion and liking sneakers. So like Jordans, Yeezys, stuff like that, like the more exclusive stuff, the nicest stuff, pretty much. And I saw that pretty much every Yeezy that was releasing at that time was selling for at least double the price. So I would be able to make like 200, 150 a pair. And as soon as I realized, I was like, okay, I need to get multiple pairs, keep one for myself and have the profit pay off that and keep some more so I can kind of keep doing that. So that's what I did. The first drop I was successful on was the Yeezy 350 Blue Tints in December of 2017. And that kind of just sparked my like journey right there. Like I got like five, six pairs, kept one for myself, sold the rest, made a few hundred bucks after keeping my pair. And after that, I did a little bit more shoes. I focused on Supreme for a while just because it was kind of easy. It was really popular at that time too. Every week they had something that you could make a decent profit on, but it's not really too scalable. I'd only be able to get like one or two items a week. And I kind of realized this is not the best way to make consistent money. So I went back to sneakers and that was like 2019 or so. I, I did mainly Supreme for like a year. And when I came back to sneakers, I kind of took a different approach. I started selling more like discount shoes, like Air Forces, Air Maxes, stuff like that, where you could find it at a good price at like Foot Locker, let's say, and use like coupons and learn all of that stuff. And that kind of gave me a lot of capital to start off with. I would just go to the mall literally every day and get like 20 to 25 pairs. I, I also started doing releases there too, because how it works is you, you have an FLX account, full locker account. And if you have a bunch of points on there from doing transactions, then you have a higher chance of hitting on release shoes. So I would basically just enter raffles and just hit every single time because I was buying more than anyone else was at the mall. And I, I was able to get like pretty consistent <laughs> every release there and that, that's at a time when it was good like nowadays there's not really stuff that's coming out at Foot Locker. I, I was there today and i was talking to the manager and they're saying like compared to what it used to be it's like dead now like they're not getting any really good release shoes they used to have release shoes i would just sell out the same day he's saying now it's sitting on a wednesday like a week later pretty much it's not even moving hmm. and it, it's kind of sad to see the decline of that market but I, i'm glad i pivoted at a good time and that, that leads us into 2020. I was still doing a lot of those like discounted Air Forces, Air Maxes type stuff. And I got my first credit card. I got an Amex, which completely changed the game. Uh, before I was able to spend like five or 10,000, I was able to spend 80,000 immediately as soon as I got the card. So I started to get into botting. I was already a little bit into botting. Like I'd run myself before, but I couldn't really get the volume I wanted. So I would run for other people on releases and split the profit 50-50. So I kind of just did the opposite of that where I provided the cards and the capital and then had other people run me. And it was really easy to just run up a bunch of shoes. I would just send it out to a few people. They would run me. And 
I started to get a lot of capital rolling and making a lot of money in like late 2020. Um, I had a huge month in 2020, made like maybe 60K profit. And um, it, it was all off just release shoes, all from other people buying it for me. Very, very easy. Not much work at all. Wasn't really touching the product. And I was like, wow, this reselling thing is insane. Like that month, I knew I was never going to work a job again. And that leads us to a little bit after that, the market started to decline because it was pumped up a lot by COVID and the stimulus money coming in. And after that, like Yeezy's just started to not really sell for very much profit. Like it went from in the beginning making like easily a hundred dollars a pair on Yeezy's to going to be like 15. Like you're not even making 10% at that point. And I realized like this is not where I need to be what I need to be doing. So a couple of my friends, it was February 2021. Uh they're they're found out about Amazon. They basically just saw the volume. It was a Nike Monarch and they showed me Jungle Scout's sales estimator. It was like 7,000 units a month. I was like, holy shit. Like I got to <laughs> get on this immediately yeah. because I was like, oh, Monarchs are just sitting everywhere. I could just go buy those easily. And I'd already kind of had that experience from selling Air Forces and Air Maxes. So in February or like late or early March of 2021 is when I opened up my Amazon account. And from there, I was selling some of the products that I used to sell. I was buying from pretty much the same places. And I also started to go into the Nike outlet. And I was able to do like maybe like 90 or 100K my first month, like my first full 30 days. And then by the time month three or whatever, I'd already done like 250 or 300K in a month. So I kind of got the ball rolling very, very fast. And that was in like May 2021. I was really just focused on sneakers at the time. Wasn't doing anything else. And then the opportunity of pools kind of came up. And it was really good the year before. And it was great in 2021 as well. And at that time, I, I got my sprinter in June 2021. And I was doing a lot of RA at that time. I was hitting the outlets a lot. And then when pool season came around, I was doing in-store pickup and just driving around all around the state every single day. And this was really only possible because of COVID and how my school that I was going to at the time was a private school. They didn't allow phones. They had no clue what to do for COVID. So it was like two classes a week, like barely any work. I was able to kind of do whatever I wanted and just focus on the business throughout the week. Well, so, well, can yeah. I stop you for a second? Yeah. I know Pete probably has some questions too. You grabbed a sprinter. We I feel like we just kind of <laughs> yeah. we just brushed past that really quick. It's as well, right? Because I know a lot yeah. of people, you know, if they're listening to this, like some people are, you know, in their 30s, 40s. How old are you, first of all? I'm 18 now. I Which was 15 is, when I got the sprinter. Okay, no. that's so that's insane. So you didn't even have a license, right? Did so I had a learner's. I would have to learners. have my dad with me in the car and I could drive <laughs> and he would just sit in the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Two birds, one stone. Yeah. yeah <laughs> What did you, so what, why did you, why the sprinter? This just, you were like, I need a van. So, yeah, I, I needed a van pretty badly because doing pools just did not make sense in a car. Like my dad has a RAV4. He could, we could fit two big pools in there at most, maybe even just one, depending on how big it was. And just moving it around was not easy to do. And I didn't want to have to go rent a U-Haul every time. And I was, it, it, it wasn't just because the pools, it was also because the Nike outlets as well. I was doing a lot at the Nike outlets. So I figured, oh, I could do two things with this. It's worth it. So I pulled the trigger on it. And I was at a time where it was hard to get to. Like early COVID sprinters were very, very hard to come by. I had to drive like two hours to get it. And I ended up picking one up, got it when I was 15 in June 2021, which is pretty crazy. 
but I was using that for a lot of in-store pickup. Like I've definitely used it hundreds of times. I got my use out of it. I actually sold it like two, three months ago. Now that I'm not doing any prep myself, not out of the warehouse, I don't really need it anymore. Um, so it, it's kind of nice. Don't have that monthly payment anymore. Got pretty much all my money back for it. So I, I was very happy with what, what, what came out of it. Okay. I had Bless Sawyer with the location to, to sell that, sell the old whip at. Yeah, you did, bro. That was really? clutch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was telling me he's going to sell his, um, Sprinter van. And I was like, dude, it's like, I feel like people wouldn't think this, but CarMax and stuff yeah. like the bigger car companies that just take your used cars and flip them. They, they do more velocity than anything, so they'll probably give you a higher amount than somebody like a, a, a smaller dealership or a dealership that's family owned, but like name big brand, right? Yep. And that was very true because the dealership offered me, I think it was like 33 and then car max or car, whatever one I sold it to it was like 36 or something like that. So it was like a good amount more. And the people at the dealership were trying to pressure me into doing it. They're like, oh, you're not going to get any better pricing. I was like, I'll come back and let you know. <laughs> and yeah, never went back. Yeah. So, they, they didn't understand that they were working with the OA legend. Not, exactly. Oh, you <laughs> they weren't familiar with my game. Yeah, I understand the game you're playing. Don't don't try and pull a fast one. But so you're doing the pools. You, you're you're in the sprinter. You're moving around with your dad. And he's got the, you got the learner's permit. So you just keep... Keep going. You've got you've got a long yeah. long story for such a short life, but keep. Riffing. Yeah, I got my license in August of that year, so I could go kind of wherever I want by myself at that point. Uh, so that was a nice benefit, and the pools were still around in August, but it was starting to slow down at that point. Um, one funny story I have. So from those botting connections I made in the sneaker days, I still were talking to some of those guys sometimes. And a lot of these bots have Walmart for, I think it was like sports cards mainly. There's a couple things that were selling well at the time that were being mm -hmm. botted. And I was in a Discord group and I just saw the pools coming up. It was like Intex. There's a couple of random brands. I was like, dude, you got to try and run me for this and <laughs> we'll see how many we get. And I was in New York at the time meeting a bunch of Amazon shoe people is in 2021. This was, I think, July. And I just see charges just ripping on my phone. And it was going to like a split email of ours. And he's like, oh yeah, some of these are getting canceled. Like, don't worry about it. And it ended up being like 25 get canceled out of like 300 orders that were placed. <laughs> so it was like a ridiculous amount. It was all coming to my house too. So I got maybe like 175 to 200 of them. I just put them on pallets outside and put tarps over them. Just left them outside. They were out there for like weeks. And I couldn't even take the rest. I just had nowhere to put it. And I had to refuse delivery on like a truckload worth of pools, <laughs> which is crazy. And uh, FedEx was calling me like, we have to do something with this. Like we have a full 40 foot trailer filled with these damn pools. <laughs> and I was like, I, I can't take them. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I was just slowly selling like a few a day. And I ended up getting rid of pretty much all of those. But pools works a massive amount of work, bro. Especially in like the Savannah heat is like 90 plus outside every day, just sweating outside, yep. moving these fucking pools. Oh it was God. crazy. No, and I did um I was living with at uh, the in-laws at the time. And every morning I'd wake up at like six o'clock to like prep them for shipping. Cause yeah. you, you sent a few and they were getting dinged up. Like they were getting lit up yeah via like normal like ground shipping and so i'd like saran wrap them make sure that they were like real like ready to roll and so i'd be up at like six o'clock in the morning like prepping yeah. these things and then still got some fines on the back end but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah it's just how it goes man yep. 
but p- pools were really fun. Uh, I wish there was something like that nowadays, where it's like like an all in buy, where like everyone's going for it. every brand or type of product like in that niche would sell, like how pools did. Like literally every pool was going yep. crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I haven't really seen that in the last year or two. No. But, no. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like everything was crazy. Like I had, yeah. um, I had my sister in law, like go into the code for Intex like pool covers and like manipulate it. <laughs> so we just got a bunch of covers through and it was like, it was like three times your money. It was crazy. Yeah, dude. Exa- like filters, covers, everything pool related was going absolutely insane. And I missed out on 2020. That's if you look at the keeper charts, you'll see like, Oh, it goes crazy. 2021. You look at 2020 and it was double whatever it was in 2021. Like yeah. some of like the, the $150 retail pools were hitting 800, a thousand, like, way way higher like if, if we were on amazon back then that would be insane yeah yeah you didn't need to know how to read a keep a chart to know that it, no. was, gonna, it was gonna work <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um so kind of what i'm hearing in your journey is that you started with things that like normal folks would understand would have value started the high-end sneakers you then yeah. kind of went into like just the everydays is there anything that you're doing now um, that kind of even further niche down into just like everyday products or anything like that? That's a good question. I would say not really. It's mainly stuff that everyday people would want, whether that's like a beauty product or a shoe or clothing. Um, nothing really too exclusive or hard to get anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I enjoy doing though. So I, I, I assume I would go back to that at some point and maybe find a loop or something to get an exclusive product and have it sold on Amazon. But when most people think of Amazon, they don't think of exclusive products. They think of everyday stuff that's cheap and ships quickly. That's, that's what people think of. Yeah. Like Jordans, they sell on Amazon. It's not that crazy though. And there's a lot of headaches with that. And people are not buying like Louis Vuitton, like really, really high end brands on Amazon either. It's, it's more of like an exclusive thing. Yep. Yep. Like no, I mean, uh, authenticity stuff on Amazon, yeah. Jordans and Louis Vuitton, just cause people are like, Oh, it's on Amazon. Uh, this looks fake. And, you know, try to jip Amazon out of a $1,200 handbag, you know? Exactly. That's how it was with Jordans. I mean, when I first started, I was selling a lot of stuff that I was selling on StockX and goat. And a lot of that was like Jordan one mids, like maybe not like really like Jordan one retro, like highs, like not a lot of that type of stuff, but it was like mids, lows, stuff that people would want to buy at other places. And if they were buying it on Amazon, they might think it's fake. I did get a good amount of authenticity complaints and I kind of stopped selling after that. There's a couple other models that are horrible with authenticity. Like Air Forces are pretty bad. Blazers are the worst. I don't recommend anyone to sell Nike blazers. Like I, I've... Probably only sold like a thousand or fifteen hundred on Amazon. And only like, a thousand. Only over a, over like two yeah. years though. So it's, yeah, I know bro. people who sold that's a thousand a, a light month. Work. No, there's people who sold a thousand a month last Q4, but those I probably got fifteen authenticity complaints Ooh, on that thousand wow. pairs. Like it was ridiculous. Like multiple a size sometimes, and I don't really know why. I think it's because like the tongue on the shoe, like you can see the foam. So I'm thinking that might be why, like people might not know that that's how every single pair of blazers come, but people are just horrible about those for some reason. But since like stopping shoes, I haven't gotten an authenticity complaint in months. Like it just fell off. I don't get them anymore. So is that, I mean, there's probably a bunch of reasons why you stopped selling shoes. Like 
yeah. What what would you say are like your top three reasons as to why you got out of shoes once you kind of like established like your knowledge and your 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 adventure, I guess you could say. Cause I mean yeah. it's got a crazy story, dude. For sure. So the main reasons are with returns. One is just the flat return, right? Like how high the percentage is. Two is how I was dealing with those returns. Um, and it was just, I wasn't dealing with them. That was the problem. <laughs> I was putting them all to the side. This is when I had the warehouse too. So I had a lot of space. I had too much space. So I'd have a lot of stuff coming in. So like me and my employees would be busy, but it wouldn't be like not busy enough to focus on the stuff that's been kind of sitting around. Like we would just always be looking at the new and never really looking at the stuff that's been there for a while. And I would just put my Amazon boxes to the side and be like, okay, I'll deal with that eventually. And it got to the point where it was like just like a couple rooms full, like office rooms. And it was like 1,100 pairs in there. And I was like, whoa, this is bad. Like, I can't do this anymore. If I keep buying these shoes, man, I'm not going to deal with these returns. Dude, so, 1,100 pairs just chilling around. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I didn't even know, like, because they're just all in boxes. Locker. Foot Locker wanted to buy your inventory. All right. <laughs> let, me get, let me get that. All right. I, I genuinely thought it was 600 to 700 max before my employee counted it. And then it was like end of year inventory. I was like, all right, go unbox everything in there. Count up just how many shoes total. He was like, it was like 1100. I was like, Oh no, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I had no clue it was that bad. And I just wasn't really dealing with them. And I, I just like, I had to cut it off. I, as soon as I heard 1100, I never bought a shoe again, other than like one pair of a very fast mover. Uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, my boy got peer pressured into. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, those canceled, man. All of those canceled. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's but right. The, the one the one thing I was talking about was a shoe that I've sold like 10,000 units of. And I got it for just a crazy price in June. Grabbed like 2,000 pairs and they're all like 40% ROI. It's like, it's a no brainer. They sold in like two weeks. So uh, I'll still, if, if someone comes to me with an opportunity, which is what yeah. happened there, I'll still buy it, yeah. but I'm not really out looking for it. Another thing is the problem with shoes that I ran into is buying stuff that like normal people wouldn't want. Like a lot of the stuff from the outlets will be like a toddler pink running shoe and it just doesn't move outside of the Nike outlet and Amazon. Those are the only two places where that item like really sells and if you're trying to move that on eBay or something like that, it just doesn't move. Like it'll just be sitting there for a month or a year. Like it, it just does not sell. Like it's, it's bad. Yeah. And so your returns are basically useless. Like they're unsellable. Yeah. Even if it comes back yeah. in a nice box, you know, whatever, and a box is a little damaged, you're not going to be able to rebox it and send it out somewhere. Cause it's just not going to move. And then, you know, I think on Amazon, you can rebox shoes, right? Yeah. So I sent of that 1100, like probably half back to Amazon, but they're all in replacement boxes, like pretty much all of them. And I had to clean a lot of them. I got like a couple authenticity complaints from that. So that yeah. was a little bit annoying. Um, but it honestly wasn't too bad moving them. I sold like 300 to a liquidator. It was like 16 bucks a pair, 15 bucks a pair, which is good. I paid shipping though. And it was like two bucks a shoe. So a little bit less than that. Um, and then the rest, I'm also pretty lucky because my mom has a gift shop here in Savannah. So I was able to just mark down the shoes at a good price. That was stuff where it's like a good shoe, like an Air Force Converse, something that like a normal person would just walk into a store and want to buy. But I would just it would have like a little scuff or something where I wouldn't want to send it to Amazon and I wouldn't want to send it to a liquidator for 15 bucks. But I could sell like an Air Force at her shop all day for like 65, 70. 
if it has a little mark on it or whatever. So I can get like a good payout on those return shoes. And there's still some there. Like it's like sells like a couple a day and we'll, we'll probably be done with them in the next like month or so. Yeah, that's a really good point in there too. Like getting creative to like find solutions. Like I feel, yeah. I feel like all the time, the biggest, the biggest thing that nobody really talks about is um, finding ways to get things done and being creative about it. Cause there's always some sort of loophole. There's always some sort of workaround where you can get something done. You could either break even or make profit. And um, another thing that you kind of been talking about is like, a lot of the negatives, like a lot of the losses, right? Mm -hmm. So when we see like a lot of these losses and stuff, but you still what you what, what was I don't, I don't I'm not familiar off the top of my head. What was your revenue last year or the or this upcoming year projected revenue? Uh, twenty twenty one was like two point eight or honestly it's two point eight on Amazon, but I still had shoe sales from before then, so I probably did like over three. Last year was like three point two. And this year will probably be around 3.2 realistically. I had a lot of lower months this year than I had before because I stopped buying shoes, transitioned to wholesale, moved out of the warehouse. It was a huge transition year for my company. And it's, it's all positive though. Like I don't really care about doing less sales this year because I know next year I have a lot of systems in place and I, I basically just have the recipe to take it to 10 million, which is the goal. But I, I think I'll do like probably around three this year it yeah. just depends on how how well december does like december will that black friday to christmas will probably be like 35 percent of my sales for the year or something like that like it's gonna be a huge chunk especially this year and like when i was moving a lot of those shoe returns i wasn't really buying that much like especially getting out of the warehouse i had stuff that like would sell but like the listing would get deleted like i had to deal with a lot of like small issues with that stuff even like non-shoes like some clothes backpacks there's always something like, especially with Amazon. I feel like there's always something that you have to like kind of take care of. That's yeah. why people, I mean, they have VAs and whatnot that kind of take care of that for them. But I wanted to outline, like we're talking a lot about the negatives that you've run into, but yeah, you're yeah. still in the game doing 3.2 mil uh, yeah. this year and on track to do 10 mil next year. Like that's, that's insane. So, I mean, yeah, you're going to run into roadblocks. You're going to run into different, different hurdles along the way. But as long as you keep pushing, that number is going to keep growing exactly yeah no, nothing's been even close to big enough to like really destroy my business or anything like that mm -hmm. it's all been just small little roadblocks like the coles cash a few months ago like 20kl right there but you know it is what it is like most of that <laughs> stuff i i made a little bit on like I, <laughs> and I, I got the charge back and get like half of it back so just got to deal with it it's charge it to the game <laughs> it's i mean it's the the resilience is an attribute of anybody that or yeah. somebody that's going to get to where they want to be like it, it's not all sunshines and sunshine and rainbows like people kind of think it is on twitter like there's headaches yeah. for every size company like for sure the bigger company the bigger the problems probably definitely yeah. um but that kind of leads me into um there there is reason for celebration today as young sawyer has crossed four thousand uh followers oh yeah okay yeah. Yeah. yeah that was that yeah. was like 30 minutes ago i got yep. across there like in the last couple hours so, i'm everywhere dude, i'm everywhere that. that peter's peter's pop pocket watching you yes all sir right. yep. he's, watching, he's watching your twitter he's making sure you're, you're probably has all the twitters up on the tabs and he just refreshes them with the <laughs> all, all mine are all mine are buy sheets and uh different different links and everything and all peter's are different people's twitters and everything <laughs> yeah yep. but so but so that growth has been relatively 
like fast because yeah. you were your decent size account you weren't really tweeting that much can you kind of get into like you know what changed um you know what value you've seen from it that sort of thing mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll take you back to the beginning of my twitter account so the first time and I'm, i say that because i'm wearing this shirt right here this is an off the wave shirt so that was a local store here in savannah that would have like hype stuff like yeezys jordans that type of stuff and the owner and one of the employees really helped me out a lot. Like this was in like 2017, 2018 when I first started. They would they bought some of my Yeezys, stuff like that. And this one guy there, Zay, he was doing botting back in like 2017, 2018. He was very early on that. And he just one day took my phone and was like, all right, you need to make a new Twitter account and follow like this 300 people. And I took it. I followed every one of those people. And that just kind of tossed me right into like the sneaker Twitter world. And from there, I was just making a lot of connections, posting like success from drops, botting success, stuff with bricks, like the Air Forces, stuff like that. And that got me to my first like few hundred followers. In 2020, it started to get up a lot when I posted like some some big flexes, like a lot of shoes, like Yeezys and stuff like that. And I was maybe at like a thousand or fifteen hundred at that time. And I was kind of stagnant. Like I maybe got a thousand followers in like a year and a half, two years. And that was until like ASD. And at ASD is when I started taking content a little bit more seriously. I met a lot of people there. I did like Corey's podcast, Miles podcast, like interview with Miles as well. That did really well. It was like four or five pieces of content that I did that really got my name out there. And since August, I maybe have like over a thousand followers. Like it, it grew up very, very fast, like a couple months, a thousand plus followers, maybe more than that. And that's been kind of cool to see because I've never seen like explosive growth like this, but I've also never put work into content like I have. Right. And kind of seeing the work that goes into content, it makes me really, really impressed by what Miles, uh, Warner, all of these guys have a Garrett too. Like that's so much work to be doing a daily thread, a daily short, a daily whatever you know it's it's a lot of consistency and you have to really dedicate yourself to it like in my experience doing like weekly podcasts and all that other stuff is like just as hard as running a seven-figure amazon store like takes just as much time for me yeah no i mean it, it is you really don't appreciate like how much time effort you don't see all of the outtakes you don't see all of the you know script writing everything that goes into it yeah um so yeah, but yeah, super impressive. I mean, uh, the new pod is awesome. Um, Appreciate and then that. you've been just dropping a ton of knowledge bombs on the yeah. timeline. So um, if, if you're not following Sawyer, you ought to. Um, I have actually, actually have a really good question for Sawyer, going back to kind of just like um, sales and revenue and just about the business and everything. Um, do you, so I know, I know a lot of people, like oftentimes they can get like stuck at a certain revenue point, right? So let's just say you're building up, you're building up and you've been stuck at like 10K for three months, right? You're newer to, newer to the game um, or even somebody a little bit more experienced. Like let's just say you're not really crossing that like 75K mark, right? For a few months in a row. Have you ever hit like roadblocks like that? And Definitely. if you have like those plateaus and if you have like what kind of things did you do to kind of boost yourself and get over those those plateaus? So it's kind of different for me because I'm honestly, very honestly, not even past that plateau yet. Like the third month on Amazon, I had a bunch of air for, I had a bunch of stuff sitting around from before and I did like 350 K I've done like three, 390 or something like that, but breaking past 400 K for me in a non Q4 month has been very difficult. And that's when I realized I need to transition into wholesale. 
I kind of realized my cap pretty quickly, but I stayed there for a while because I thought I might be able to find a new loop or something like that to kind of break me past that point. I was able to do like 700K in December, but I'm talking like normal January through like August. Breaking past 400 for me has been really, really difficult. And that's when I realized at the start of this year, like I need to get into wholesale and I need to have a lot more work outsourced because that's with like me doing all the product research, all the purchasing. So this year, my parents, well, my mom mainly has been helping me out with purchasing. Uh, I don't really want to give all that info to a VA yet. I, I do trust my main guy, my admin. I probably will do it very, very soon. But it's something that is just very easy for her. I just give very, very detailed instructions like 10 per order, Rakuten, use this card, this coupon. And it's just easy. It's very repetitive. So that's going to be something that's going to help me break past that point. Um, Cause I was spending a lot of time on that before just buying, 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 buying after I found the lead. But now if I find a lead, send it to her and then I don't even really have to think about it. Like it just gets put into the spreadsheet and everything is handled from there. But getting more into wholesale is definitely what's going to get me past that 400 K a month mark, just because doing OA and or RA and finding 400,000, and revenue worth of profitable inventory is definitely very difficult. I would have to spend like 10 hours a day sourcing every single day to get to that point. And also it's out of my hands at some points. Like if it's in February or whatever, and there's just no sales going on, like I can't really do much. Like mm -hmm. it's limited by things that I can't really control. And that's, that's one problem I think that is with arbitrage that wholesale doesn't really run into as much like it's very dependent on what's going on like back to school amazing crushing it but for the past like two months or so it's been a little bit slow recently it's picked up in the past couple of weeks with like yeah. selling wise and buying wise yep. but in that september was a pretty slow month i'd say for most people yep. uh kind of sold through all their back to school stuff and then it was kind of a reset month and certain months like that will definitely be hard to keep consistent. But when I see wholesale guys doing like consistent, like when I see those orange bars that are like the exact same and it goes up for Q4, I'm like, that's what I need. Like that, There's yeah. just consistent growth. And for me, it's just like up and down a lot. And yeah. I'm sure it's like that for you guys. And most OA and RA sellers are like, I honestly don't know a single OA seller who has consistent sales. Like yeah. it just isn't really, it doesn't really exist. No, um, no, but, but so you mentioned getting into wholesale. I know you went to Expo East. I do yeah. want to ask about that. But yeah. I also want to ask a fun question and that you were blowing up the timeline with all the food picks caught my eye. Yeah. What was the favorite food out in Philly? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would and say the pizza, Angelo's pizza, bro. Like I'm just a huge pizza fan. And the reason why I say that is because there isn't really any fire pizza spots in savannah so every time i go out of town i look for two things and neither of those two are in savannah one is very good pizza two is berea tacos those are the two Ooh. things i look for in every city that we just don't have here really in savannah so i'd say pizza for for philly but the cheesesteak was fire as well okay okay you <laughs> saved yourself there i thought that yeah. Philly might get upset for a moment there but okay <laughs> angelo's pizza everybody but yeah okay expo east what was that like how, how was your experience? Yeah, so it was a pretty good experience. I've honestly been a little bit lazy about following up with everyone, but um, it's just because it's a very hectic time right now, and I'm just focused on, the, on like what I already know works, like 
certain OA stuff and a couple wholesale things. But overall, the show was is good. It's very interesting. It's very different than what ASD is like. It's more of a uh, brand direct show where ASD is more of a distributor show where with ASD, the more amount of money you're ready to spend, the more they're going to take you seriously. At Expo East, they don't really care about that at all. They just want you to have, like, basically provide them value. Um, and, and by that, I mean, like, optimizing listings. They want you to have a retail store. Like, the first day I was there, I didn't have too much success. And then when I went back with Nick the second day, it was much better. And the approach that he took was awesome. He brought an iPad. He had Smart Scout, pulled up Selleramp. And it just blew their minds, like being able to see their revenue and all that stuff. Like he was showing them seller ramp offers and she's like, oh, this is the back end of Amazon. Nick's like, yep. Like, <laughs> like she just thinks that like we're wizards with that stuff. Like it's not just like an easily accessible software. That's super but, saucy because a lot of these yeah. brands are not savvy on Amazon. Not at all. Like they don't know how many people are selling on there. Like when you can just show them like, oh, there's 25 FBA sellers, 10 merchant fulfilled sellers. This is what they're pricing at. These three are breaking MAP. Like you can break it down for them extremely easily and have them take you a lot more seriously. And that's what Nick did a great job of. So now I know every trade show I go to, I need to be bringing an iPad and Smart Scout and Selleramp. Nick also a cheat code because he's got like crazy yeah. industry experience. Like he's oh been, yeah, he's been in, he might have been in the game longer than uh, than I've been alive. We'll we'll, we'll have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um. Yeah. Sorry again. I uh, I flaked at Expo East. I got wrapped up <laughs> doing uh some some OA work and some admin stuff. But it was all next, good. You live further week. than I thought. I thought you were closer yeah. than that. Well, no, nah, I, I was gonna drive down. I was going to drive down for, for to meet up with y'all for dinner. And then I looked at maps and it was a two hour ride to Philly because of that's all the traffic. Crazy. Damn. Like that, that's a long time. An hour and a half of traffic. Like no, probably like an extra hour of traffic. So I just hop on 476 and take that all the way down. Yeah. So it's usually an hour when there's no traffic. Yeah. Like an hour, hour 15. Damn. Hmm. Two hours is crazy. Yeah. Like, no that's shot. a car drive. Yeah. No <laughs> and then people are doing that on their daily commute into the office. Respect, but I don't know how yeah. they do it. Can't do it. No, that's won't insane. do it. One of the, there's a, there's a guy that I talked to that does that both ways. You hate to see it. That's um, miles clap back on Twitter, but it beats, it beats driving to the office two hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime someone complains, he goes, yeah, have fun on your drive today. <laughs> I, told, I told Miles that I had to go on a work trip for my nine to five and he hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my That's God. kind of what you deserve though. Um, yeah. So we are like at the point where we're starting to feel Q4 a little bit. I've seen sales going up. Yep. So what have you done? this year to prepare for q4 december have you made any adjustments compared to prior years i got what's your game plan so one i got a little bit more credit or actually a lot more credit now that i think about it like doubled it pretty much um so that's that's one and another thing is i'm holding a lot more this year like there's stuff that's selling now where i just immediately up my reprice or minimum because i'm like oh this is definitely going to go for more in mid-december than it is now and be, having this couple years of experience under my belt, I'm able to do that. For the newer seller, it's not really worth it to, because like certain stuff I bought in August, I won't even think about selling until Black Friday. So there's stuff where I'm sitting on it for four months at a time and a new seller that does not make sense at all. But for me, where I want to hit a certain margin and a certain revenue goal, I was like, 
I don't want to sell this for 25% when I can get 50% two, three months down the line. And I know it's going to be that good. Yep. So a lot of buying and holding, I do a lot of seasonal products. So that's, that's one huge part about my business right now, especially going into Q4. Like a lot of the stuff I'm buying is very, very seasonal. So I, I enjoy doing flips like that a lot rather than like shoes and stuff like that. It just adds a little bit more spice to it. I mean, it makes it fun. Yeah. Well, you've, you've kind of earned the right to play yeah. it this way. Like for, for the new seller, you need to be turning your money over as quickly as possible. You know, Sawyer now yep. has access to credit. You've got more capital. So you've earned that right to squeeze for those higher margins in a month. Yep. So, but if you're just starting, do not do it. Be, not another, exactly. Another thing that like you've, you've made an indent in Amazon. They know that you can sell product quickly. So your capacity is probably huge. The newer seller, yeah. probably not the case. I was a little bit disappointed with my capacity this year. Really? Um, it's still like I have, it's maybe 2,700 for standard. I'm probably going to fill that up like pretty easily. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, stuff will be moving at the same time. And that's for December. My November is like 5,000. So I'm kind of good. So I don't really need to worry about that. Once Black Friday hits, I'm not even really focused on that much buying. I'm focused on selling at that point. I'm going to be repricing a lot. Because uh, once Black Friday hits, you can't really get inventory into Amazon or you can, but it's hit or miss. Like, like last year, you were able to no problem. Like you could buy stuff Black Friday, have it in by like the 29th or whatever, maybe checked in and selling by the 10th of December. And the year before that, I don't think it was like that at all. So it's kind of hit or miss year by year. This year, I'm hoping it's going to be like last year where it's pretty quick check-in times. I saw that they hired like 250K more employees. So that's a good sign. But one bad sign I've seen is a lot of shoes that are shipping out from New Jersey are going to California. That's one thing I've seen popping up on my feed a, a good amount recently. Yep. So that's not a good sign because yep. that might mean the New Jersey's backed up or wherever the other East Coast warehouses are. Like Char I'm surprised it didn't go to Charlotte because mm -hmm. when I was uh, shipping from Savannah, I was sending 100% of what I bought to Charlotte. And so were a lot of people in like Florida. So going from New Jersey, skipping the New Jersey and skipping Charlotte fulfillment centers is kind of crazy. Going to California is very, very far up cost. shipping costs by like five yeah. times like yeah. way 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 more expensive yeah and yeah, yeah I mean, it's a little bit nerve-wracking but i noticed teb9 specifically yeah. is like really slow lately super super slow Damn. and that's not a, i think that's local to like east coast like jersey area so like I've I've been I've been keeping an eye on it so i'm just kind of like jumping in there and backing up what you're saying so because i've noticed it too yeah, that, and that's another reason why I like to send in my stuff early. Like, I, I probably will still be buying on Black Friday, like for sure will still be. But most of my purchasing ideally comes before then because I want it to be checked in, ready to sell on Black Friday. Like that time from Black Friday to December. And a lot of stuff I buy, I buy very, very deep on. Like it might only sell like a Nike clothing or for example, size large only might be selling 200 times a month right now. I'm buying 200 of that one size just because I know if I have it checked in and ready from Black Friday to Christmas Day, I'm going to sell through that easily, like very, right. very easily and just be able to like hold on and get all of those sales. Yep. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, it's kind of crazy. Like, um, I think what's the average stock portfolio return year over year is what? Like Eight 
or something eight, like that. Like eight to 10 in a really good market. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds crazy to look like OA sellers, like you're going to hold it. But if you actually look at the returns, you're making 50% on your money. No, exactly. <laughs> it's it's crazy. There's, there's no one that I think, what did the stop the top uh, hedge fund last year make like 30%. And that's like the top investors in the world. I think it was 30. I don't, I don't know what it was. It wasn't that high. Right. And people are yeah. doing 50% month over month. Some people are crazy. So. Yeah. It's really insane how quick you can just compound your money and it's still a great investment. Even if you're old yeah. And the fact that you were able to do that is awesome. Newer sellers, you know, you're probably a little bit more worried about cash flow, but that's kind of nice is when you get to the point where you have the extra cash to spare, right? You're mm -hmm. able to play the long game and really strategically attack strategically attack yeah <laughs> has a special way of getting me amped up i remember when we were uh we were on a call and yeah. i was like dude my credit's like clipped right now beginning of september and he was like bro just go get just go apply for like three more credit cards like screw it <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know like I'm, I'm just like on every website just applying to every credit card that's ever been a business card yeah. And, uh, dude that was that's like one of like the uh pinnacle moments that just lives in my head rent free of soy dude, I, i'm sorry i can't you do you i can't call you dylan that's just like so oh no weird. that's fine bro <laughs> most people on here call me sawyer but a lot of people who know me like real life call me dylan so i go by which really? is why i made it because people would call me dylan i would say like 40% of people call me dylan on this community or maybe 30 or 25% but a good amount call me dylan and uh, that's why I hit the rebrand and did Dylan Sawyer because too many people know me as both. I needed to have both of those in my name. Ooh. But most most people, if I'm introducing myself, I'll say Sawyer. So, dude, I that, remember that's... I looked at your interview with Miles, and mm -hmm. I thought that he like put the wrong person's name for a second. I was like, wait, <laughs> who the heck is Dylan? That's Sawyer, bro. I can't believe you got his name wrong. Like what? And and then I was I like texted Peter and Max, and I was like, dude. Is Sawyer's name like real name Dylan? They were like, yeah, yeah. It's like Sawyer's just kind of his last name or, or like it's my middle name. Middle yeah. name. Middle name. Okay. Yeah. And middle and it's kind of a funny story. The reason why I did this is back then in the shoe days, everyone had a name like Kinsey Kicks or like something like sneakers or kicks or yeah. soles or something like that. And nothing worked with Dylan. Like there's nothing like Dylan shoes or anything. It just nothing worked. And I was like, Dude, all right, Sawyer, Sawyer souls. Sawyer souls. <laughs> well, that's one of the, like the things that I love about folks in the South is mm -hmm. they'll have like the best middle names and then they'll just use them. Like I'm thinking about like the, the shortstop for the Cubs that was for the Braves, Dansby Swanson. That's a beautiful name. But Okay. Sawyer is also a great name. No, that's true because a lot of my friends use their middle names as well. Yeah, like, and, they just, and from school. Yeah, like, and they just roll of off the tongue. They, they, yeah. they, they're great names. They're great names. But something that I've picked up over the years, probably following baseball too closely. My uh, name doesn't fit on the like on the documents and everything. Like when I get like credit cards and stuff, I can't put like my first middle at or last like and last name. I has to be just like middle. It's too long. Like on my insurance card, it doesn't say my full name because it's too long. It doesn't fit. It's actually wow. wrong. Damn. What's your name, Anthony? It's uh, my full name is Maximilian Alexander Catalano. Alex Maximilian. That's a long name. Yeah. There long. goes your storefront. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> right. Stay away from Amazon for a while until you forget that. All right. Docs. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Um. All right. Okay. I got one. So. So where do you see yourself going over the next five years? Good question. 
So I definitely want to ramp up wholesale a lot. Like ideally by then, realistically, maybe 15 to 20 million a year in revenue, like ideally all brand direct exclusive. Uh, that just seems like the most long-term scalable model. Maybe throw in some private label probably by that time. Um, I've been talking about private label for a while, but I don't even really want to get into it unless I, I'm doing like 100K a month profit from like wholesale. Um, I, I just want to have like a lot of experience with like listing creation, brand optimization before I even try and do my own thing. And I definitely want to do like more like coaching group stuff. Uh, I, I get a lot of satisfaction from that. Just helping out new sellers, watching people scale from, from zero to like 50, 100 to 200 K a month. It's really, really cool to see that. And especially in a, a world like Amazon, where it's just so much opportunity and there's really space for everyone. It's just all about having that abundance mindset, sharing with other people. And yeah, just also getting into real estate. I'll probably be into real estate at that time. Um, maybe like one or two rental properties, probably nothing crazy by that point, just because yep. it's like something I haven't even really looked into very much yet. Yeah. Um, and pro probably move out eventually in the next two to three years, probably go to Miami, might spend like half my year in Miami, half the year in Savannah. That's that's probably what my my five year down the line is gonna look like. Okay. This guy's a sixty five year old man and uh <laughs> body, bro. Yeah. Grab, grab the penthouse of Miami, child. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, man. The winters are getting rough out here in Georgia, getting a little cold. Joints starting to ache a little bit. <laughs> we hit fifty the other day, it was too cold. <laughs> That's how it is, man. Yeah. I saw some frost on the ground. That's insane. Dude, we've had we've had snow here once in my life ever in a couple years, years. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. And it was crazy. Like, bro, there's neighbors who I'd never met before coming outside, like playing in the snow. Like everyone was outside. All school was canceled for like five days. Like it was in, it was like less than a foot of snow. It was like a dusting rich and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get south. I mean, Miles always clowns Wisconsin for being a horrible state, <laughs> and you know it, it is, brings yeah. up some valid points. But it's so miserable here that it just develops this grit that I, I can yeah. tell that some of y'all do not have. Like being in negative thirty, y'all would never. Uh, but yeah, you become hardy when you live up north, dude. Like you don't understand pain until. You go outside after taking a hot shower, your hair is still kind of wet, and you have to scrape a half inch of ice off of your frozen car. Or if you have oh, leather seats, if you have leather seats, dude, when you go to sit down, your seat is basically just an ice pack. So in the morning, it's just like frozen. Like the leather is so stiff, you got to like smack it to like get it spongy again. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. If, brutal. if you haven't walked out into, you know, outside, and your ears have not literally begun to fro like freeze. I, you don't know what hardship is. That's, That's crazy. I got one. I got one worse than stepping on a Lego. Catching a football in like ten degrees, dude, oh. and you miss, and it smacks your hand, dude. Your fingertips go numb. It's. In <laughs> I know. I, I know everyone who's listening to this who's lived in the Northeast. Has, no, I know Max. I know Pete. I know you've had that before. Like when you go to catch a football or like anything, and you smack your fingers in the cold, dude. Your fingers just go numb and it's like 
throbbing pain for like 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't <know>. I, <laughs> I don't think I'll live in the north pretty much ever. I can't do it. No. And it's funny because when I was doing shoes like 34 years ago, New Jersey and New York, I was like, oh, I'm 100% moving to New Jersey when I'm 18 and doing sneakers there full time because that's just where everyone was at the time. And now it's a little bit different. A lot of distributors and stuff are still up there, but it's just, I don't want to be up there at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, you asked me a question when I was on your pod and I'm just going to re-ask it back because I really liked it. Yeah. Um, what is a day in the life as Dylan Sawyer? Cool. What does that look like? So, yeah. So I wake up at usually like 930 and probably scroll on my phone till 10, honestly, <laughs> and then get, get out of bed, like check Twitter and all that, just the usual and then hop in the shower, get ready. It takes me like 20, 30 minutes. So by like 10.30 or 10.15, I'm at my computer just grinding away. Um, usually I do DoorDash or Uber Eats for lunch. And now I haven't really been doing that too much. I usually just kind of go out now and drive just to get outside the house. Because before, if I'm doing Uber Eats or whatever, and I'm really locked in, I won't even leave the house for like four days. Like, there's, lot, like, there's really nothing I need out there. <laughs> I got my <laughs> computer <laughs> and that's all I need. But um, I'll go eat lunch. And mainly that first couple hours is just like looking at emails, catching up with the VA, and after lunch, I'll do some usually product research. Usually we'll take like 30 minutes to an hour a day to write like a thread, do an Instagram story, shoot a podcast like once a week. Like today is a day where I'm working a lot on content. Like I'm, I'm probably filming for three hours today. Um, well, I did a Seller Snap podcast earlier this morning. I did one with Garrett, which was like 30 minutes for me. And I did like 15, 20 minutes with him for his channel. And then I'm doing this now. So it, it's a lot of time that goes into doing content. Um, but after that, uh, more product research. And it kind of just depends on the night. Sometimes I'll go to like 11. Sometimes I go to 2 a.m. and just doing product research. This is this time of the year, though. And other times of the year, like in June or whatever, I, I'm usually spending like a few hours just chilling, watching TV with my parents. But now it's time to lock in. I might spend like an hour in there, eat dinner, and then get back to outside and where my office is and keep working. But recently it's been like straight purchasing and doing other stuff um, pretty much all night. Like I'll eat for like 45 minutes for dinner and then right back to the computer. But before from like seven to 10, I usually wouldn't even worry. I would just sit there, chill, watch TV or whatever. But recently just grind mode, sourcing, finding as much product as possible. Yep. And yeah, not, not too much goes on in a day. Just a lot of, a lot of grinding. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've earned that again. You've earned that right over yeah. a, a period of time for it to be able to look that easy. Like, yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's true. Yeah. You've gotten good at it. So, um, well, cool. Well, you know, we really appreciate you coming on and I think it was a great, great pod. Yeah. This um, is awesome. Do you want to, yeah. Do you want to let the, the folks know where they can find you? Yeah. So I am at I am Dylan Sawyer on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I just started the podcast a couple weeks ago. Do Instagram posts pretty consistently now. Twitter threads. And yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. 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 YouTube, YouTube yeah. viewers will enjoy that. <laughs> not we're, clipping that. we're clipping that and putting it all over Twitter, dude. That's, <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, it's official. Sawyer will have to participate in the Q4 dances when everybody's 
Of oh course. yeah, sorry. You better Lots you better it. learn some crazy dance moves. I'm expecting the best. <laughs> yep. the best All right, let's the best. do it. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks again, and to the audience, we will catch you next time. Yep. Thank you. Cool. That was awesome. That was awesome, dude.